Oh, I feel uncomfortable. Let me lean further. Oh, it's more uncomfortable. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. And so I've learned to feel that discomfort in the pit of my stomach, and I feel nauseous. And I say, this is a journey I have to keep taking because I feel that. Welcome to Enoughness. This is Lisa Carmen Wang, U.S. national champion and Hall of Fame gymnast turned serial entrepreneur. This is a show that dives into the deeply personal stories of top business leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and athletes who share the defining inflection points that help them embrace their life's purpose and answer the question, how much is good enough? Happy New Year, everyone. A new year, a clean slate, an opportunity to shift your reality, to live powerfully and purposefully. Enoughness is something we all grapple with, and 2020 left many of us flailing, feeling ungrounded and a bit lost. That's okay. But this year, I want to challenge you to ask yourself the hard questions. Who am I? And what do I want? These are two questions I return to in my life over and over again. And I'm always amazed at how the answers continue to evolve. These are the existential questions that push me every day to think about how I might be limiting myself and then to challenge myself to push beyond those limits. So I want to share some of the most important things I've learned about myself over this past year that will hopefully be helpful to you as you're navigating your journey and trying to define for yourself what is enough, how much is enough. In this episode, I share a wonderful conversation with my dear friend David Nabinsky, host of the Portfolio Podcast. This was originally aired on his podcast and I'm sharing it with you here. Please enjoy, and once again, happy 2021. Would love to kick things off if lessons learned from 2020, how you're thinking about it and moving forward. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me is for the longest time I've grappled with enoughness and feeling like I wasn't good enough. And this whole year was focused on how do I step even more fully into my power and more fully own my voice? And what is that voice? Who am I? I think I've always tried to answer two key questions, which is who am I and what do I want? And those are questions that the majority of people have no idea how to answer at any given moment. And finally got to a place where I feel very comfortable not having to be constrained by labels, professionally, personally, spiritually, romantically, sexually. I think why these feelings of inadequacy come from is because we try to force ourselves into these binary black and white labels. If you are this, if you're a an engineer, you have this kind of personality. If you're an extrovert, you are just like this. If you're a woman, this is what you do. And I've got to a place where this year I really focused on regrounding self-love, like what does that actually feel like? Becoming my own best friend and realizing at that moment, there is no label that can actually really fully express who it is that I am. And that's my power, the ability to 
operate in this ambiguity and operate in this gray zone and not feel like I have to cling on to something so that I can figure out what my identity is. Was there a moment or is there a process or kind of working through this? I think a, a big part of it was learning how to let go. And I have been on this journey of trying to let go of things that don't serve me. And this year that included actively trying to let go of my fears around failure, fears around rejection, fears around what other people think, judgment, noticing how if I'm judging someone, it's usually a reflection of how I judge myself and letting go of this need for control that so many achievers and perfectionists and just like people have. We try to control our job. We try to control the outcome. We try to control our relationships. We try to control everything. And it's, I think it was this realization. It's like, why do we do that? And it's because we want to feel safe because if we don't have those things, like we, we can't, it's almost like we can't operate because we need the binary. And so I was just really challenging myself. It was like, what if I know that this need for control, this need for other people's approval, this need for external validation, this need for success, none of this is serving me. And this whole time I was grappling with enoughness and success and like, when is it ever good enough? And I was like, I don't even know if this is the right question anymore <laughs> because what am I even measuring it against? I think in the process of letting go, like Buddhism, it's like about letting go of your ego, right? Like just letting things happen at the end of the day, realizing you can't control anything. You can walk outside and get hit by a car and that's it. Slip and hit your head and that's it. You don't actually have control of anything. And I think I've really started to try to become comfortable with that and say, I have my own reality, but there is so much ego here. Like we all have this ego and so I think there, there's a, probably a few things that have caused this. One is in analyzing my year, noticing how quickly I iterate. I'm like, if do this doesn't work, like, that's fine. If this fails, that's fine. That thing didn't work and it might have failed, but I am not a failure. And I think that's one of the mindsets that I've really cultivated. Is if it works, great. But realizing that it's a combination of hard work and luck and the right people and the right environments and the right timing. So that's one thing. Of I think it's a mental practice of me having continually trying and not tying my ego so deeply to one thing and being able to let those things go. And then I think also even personally, like romantically, I think learning how to really listen and create space for what someone else needs or their own journey. And I think that one of the messy things we rarely talk about in business, and even though every single person goes through it because everyone wants to experience feeling loved, is how vulnerable and messy these personal relationships can become. And the reason, in particular, personal romantic relationships become so complicated is because of this additional layer of need for control, controlling the other person. Because in some way, like you are mine, I am yours. And there's a possessiveness to it. And it's all tied to your ego. And so I think when I really started saying, 
I'm really trying to appreciate my journey. And what does that look like? If I were really to be loving to someone else, it's not about me telling them to live a certain way. It's just like creating space to hear their journey and um, not allowing my ego to get in the way. And that's been really liberating for me, I think. There's a great distinction about giving love. And so a lot of people, they give love because it feels good. Like some people really love to cook, so they cook a lot of food. Some people like giving gifts so they get, because it feels good when they see the other person validating them giving love. But then that's not actually giving love if that's not how the other person best feels loved. So there's a difference between giving love in the way that is comfortable for you and giving love in a way that's perhaps uncomfortable for you, but is the way that the other person can best feel it. And that's really what like loving with generosity and like this whole thing of just like letting things flow and not trying to shove it into a label of any kind. Yeah, I think part of this year really stepping into my power is allowing the fluidity of my own identity and saying, it's okay if I don't really know exactly what's going on, but it feels good to me and that's enough for me. So a lot in there. And I think one thing that I want to at least touch upon is on this iteration. That was one thing when working with you, I was just so impressed and inspired by how fast you move and how fast you iterate. And I just think that the ability to iterate and learn from your, not even mistakes, but just trials, you learn about yourself and about the projects and whether that's an online webinar series, just putting stuff out there like that. Like, I think that we both learned a ton from just testing things. Yeah. I always go into things with, especially educational things, of can I learn something? If, even if I can take away one thing, that's valuable to me. And anytime I have felt imposter syndrome, oh, do I really know everything there needs to be known about the topic? And I remind myself the most valuable thing you can give someone is a shift in perspective. And if that person can really take that perspective and create change in their lives, of their own volition, that's the most powerful sort of change in that person's life. And I was having a conversation with a friend and she had said, I, I was asking her, I said, do you think, do you think this is worth it? Do you think this person is worth it? Is it worth my time? And she's like, I don't know if this person's worth it, but I think the journey's worth it. And that was really huge for me because I wasn't tying my worth to someone else's validation. It was is this person respectful? Do I feel heard? Do I feel valued in conversation? And then am I learning? And if so, I say yes to these things. And it, it, this kind of ties me to one of uh, a quote that I love from you is around this, like every next level of you demands a new you. Yeah. Every next level of your life demands a new you. So it seems like through this process of figuring out who you are, you're experimenting and going on new journeys yeah, and new levels. That's how you do it. Constantly putting yourself in areas where you feel uncomfortable and really leaning into that discomfort. By nature of it, it's uncomfortable. So most people don't go there. And when you can get to a place where the practice is, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Let me go like lean further oh, it's more uncomfortable. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. And so I've learned to 
feel literally that discomfort in the pit of my stomach and it I feel nauseous and I say this is a journey I have to keep taking because I feel that thing yeah I and to put it in a concrete example when you published that one enoughness episode of in the bathtub <laughs> oh my god that's <laughs> so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it was in September and I saw that and yeah. I was like she's on a new journey she's yeah. this is I could hear it in your words and I could feel it. I could feel your emotions during that. We want to talk a little bit about that, of that kind of that enoughness episode and the realization then of just saying, I think it was called Confessions of an Overachiever. Mm -hmm. It feels so long ago, (laughs) even though it's what, a few months ago, a quarter ago. Yeah, I got I was at a point where I was really overwhelmed. I had so many projects juggling a ton. I always do. And feeling like I had the pressure of so many deadlines that I had to fulfill and just so many things I needed and wanted to achieve. And it felt like a burden. It was just like, why am I pushing myself so hard to achieve these by a superficial timeline that's imposed by myself? And I had this idea, Oprah had her show by 32, and I was had just turned 32, therefore I'm behind. And one, I realized after that, especially now, I'm not behind at all. And I was just comparing myself. They always say you compare like to the next level. Every time you look at the people above you and you're like, oh, if I've got like 500 million, I'm like, why can't I have a billion? Like the whole thing. And then you just keep raising the bar. But yeah, I think I I wanted to talk to someone. I didn't have anyone to talk to, so I just recorded myself speaking, and that helped me feel better. And I had this inclination that hearing that thought process of mine as I'm going through extreme anxiety about achieving things by a certain deadline would be helpful to the other overachievers out there who are also trying to balance way too many things on their plate. And telling them, like, it's okay. Like, we all feel this and you are still enough. Mm-hmm. And it's an, there's an interesting, talk to us a little bit more about this idea of like how enoughness can also be a fuel to keep you going and to motivate you to take on a new project or go on a new journey. Can you maybe talk to a little bit of how sometimes we think of enoughness as a, a self love or, hey, I'm doing great. But can you talk about also how? you can balance that with using enoughness as a way to move you forward? Yeah. One thing I always talk about is the enoughness moment. And on everyone's journey, especially if you feel insecure or not good enough, the enoughness moment is the moment at which your duty becomes greater than your own shame and insecurities. I realize that my duty to help other people, to impact other people's lives, that's more important than this selfish shame or insecurity that I feel in this moment. And that is what propels you into a feeling of essentially enoughness because you're like, it's, I might not feel 100% prepared. I might not feel 100% ready, but this has to happen. And that's so often with like leaders of movements and people who create change. They're like, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if this speech or this 
March is going to be good enough, but like to heck with it because it needs to happen. I have a duty here. I have a purpose to serve and create change. And so that's always, I think, really the the positive momentum you can use. The negative momentum of enoughness is feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough. I have a chip on my shoulder. Maybe if I achieve this next thing and get this next gold medal, get the next paycheck, then maybe I'll be enough because that's still a it's an individualistic, selfish journey that ultimately doesn't make you feel fulfilled. Okay. And and then so going back to this idea around taking on new challenges, new iterations, you recently launched The Confident Investor. Maybe talk to us a little bit about how you were thinking about that project from a couple different perspectives, professional, personal, how you're thinking about your time with it. Yeah. The Confident Investor is focused on empowering people to build wealth and take control of their financial future through angel investing in startups. And the impetus for it was really my belief in what the future of funding should look like. Right now, the investment landscape is heavily skewed. 94% of investors in the venture landscape are male. 2% of funding goes to women, 0.2% goes to women of color. And so this extremely uneven balance is directly a result of the lack of diversity in the investment field. And so a big change that happened a few years ago was that the SEC passed something called regulation crowdfunding and Reg CF, and that allowed non-accredited investors to be able to invest in startups. And that means your everyday person now can have access to the the new Spotify's of the world, the new lifts of the world. Like you can invest early on when they're just startups. And so that has never happened before. But this kind of funding a lot of people don't realize it's available. They look at Shark Tank and they're like, oh, only like rich people can invest in startups. That's not true anymore. And so the confident investor is founded upon this idea that everyone should be able to invest. Everyone has the power to do. Sometimes we just lack the knowledge. We lack the urgency. We might lack the courage to take the jump into it. And the confident investor brings knowledge. So we bring some of the most successful investors in the world who teach their strategies about how share their strategies and insights on how to invest in startups, their thought process on what makes a successful founder, what they've seen. And it's about democratizing access to that knowledge. And I'm really excited to see what the future of startup funding looks like, to see the diversity of people and companies that get funded. So just a month ago, the SEC passed a new rule, which raises the cap of startup investments by non-accredited investors from 1.1 million to 5 million. So it's five times more money that people can invest in startups, which is going to like exponentially increase the number of startups that are using the equity crowdfunding. What was interesting to me uh, about this as they think about like the portfolio careers, like startup investing, it's like just taking small bets and then you can still put your time in a lot of other places. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. How else are you thinking about 2020 moving into 2021? What's, what's, I know you always have a bunch of stuff in your notes app. Mm-hmm. What's, wh- what have you been jotting down there these days? What's, what else have you been pondering about? A big part for me is really leaning into my intuitive energy, leaning into how I feel. I think I've always known deep down that I have a really keen 
intuitive sense about people and environments, but that has been for a long time shut off by my own feelings of imposter syndrome, a society that truly values logic and data over emotional intelligence. That's shifting slowly as more diverse leaders come into the foreground, but I've really been just amazed over the last few months when I create space to listen to what my body is telling me and processing things. And I can say, oh, I feel good about this. I feel good about this person. I don't feel good about this person. And I don't need to justify why. Like, I just know. And that's helped me in figuring out what direction I move in. And it's if, if I'm feeling the resistance and I'm it's not feeling good, I'm like, why does it not feel good? And I and I just sit on that for a long time and I like write about it, I journal, and then eventually it gets to a point where like, oh yeah, like it's just not meant for me. What's meant for me will be for me. If it's not, then it's not. And so especially in vetting people I work with, I've like really the mistakes I've made this year is like when I didn't, I was like, I feel like there's something off here, but it's fine. And it never works out. So I think, yeah, leaning into that and just saying, I'm going to really listen if something feels off and trust myself. And so the more I've trusted myself, the more I've just been like, just truly amazed by the things that are manifesting in my life. So that that's a really big one. And another thing was like the other day, I actually wrote down my superpowers, which was really cool for me because... I was surprised by the things that I wrote down. And I was like, I would never have known to write these things down even a few months ago. Some of these things on the list were, so my superpowers are my ability to clearly identify and articulate problem areas and also present actionable solutions, listen deeply to make people feel heard and respected, ask insightful questions that create shifts in perspective and build empathy, Communicate with poise and dignity to even the highest level of status, wealth, and power and being respected as an equal. Identify the core root issue even when everyone else is concerned with the symptoms, i.e. cutting out the noise and identifying what matters. Bringing out someone's true feelings and thoughts by creating a safe space to be vulnerable. Understanding the energy of a room and people by reading in between the lines of what is explicitly being said being able to balance both the feminine and the masculine and to be able to communicate with both sides and being able to quickly chameleon and adapt to different situations and people as needed. I have, I have like even more and I'm like, I just kept going. <laughs> so it felt, it. yeah. Oh, this, yeah, I actually like this one. My hyper self-awareness and not only being able to recognize patterns and behaviors that aren't serving me, but to efficiently and effectively take action to change and grow myself. Superpowers. Yeah. And what has been, what was surprising to you during through some of your coaching work? What do you think has been holding people back? What are some of the things that you wish you could say to some of the people you've been coaching over the last couple of months and stuff? Where do you think people are getting stuck? Things of that nature. I think people get stuck because they tell themselves the same story over and over again, the same patterns over and over again, and they don't do anything about it. You might think you're doing something about it, 
But really, it's, for example, if I have imposter syndrome, I'll talk about, yeah, but I still don't feel like I'm good enough. And I still don't know if I'm ready. And I still don't know if I'm working hard enough. And maybe I know I have imposter syndrome and I know I have these issues, but I still have them. What do I do? And so then we keep having the same conversation of people be like, this is my issue. Like my issue is I just can't be organized. I'm just not. What do I do? And it's like messy and I don't have a schedule. And it's okay. We can talk about this all day. But at a certain point, you just have to change. You just have to commit to creating a new story for yourself. Because I think it's very comfortable to stay in your old story. Like the person who says, I'm introverted and I don't like public speaking. People don't want to listen to what I have to say. And what if I end up sounding stupid on stage and people leave? And it's okay. Why are you afraid of that? Because I'm, I'm afraid they'll laugh at me and they'll realize that I'm a fake and that I don't actually know anything. It's like, okay, do you think you have nothing valuable to say? I certainly, that's, I, maybe I do have something valuable to say. Okay, then we can keep going. And then we keep going down that questioning and then they realize there's some sort of root where it's fear of not being loved or fear of being rejected. Like there's some sort of root fear, fear of not being significant always roots back to fear of not being good enough like in someone else's eyes. But at a certain point, it's just, okay, I'm tired. Like I'm tired of this constant narrative in my head that says I'm not good enough. And I'm just going to decide, actually, I am freaking good enough. I am so much more than enough. And I think that was a big shift for me. Like even in these last few months, like I have grappled with the enoughness journey, feeling inadequate for a long time. And I did the thing that most people do, which is work harder and try to get validation from the outside world, whether from money or from awards or some sort of, you know, pat on the back that is acceptable by society, making friends and getting into cool clubs and getting featured on press. And when I spent this time questioning, why doesn't that translate to me feeling internally fulfilled? I was like, okay, now that I know, what am I going to do about it? And so I went down the self-love journey and I think we hear the word self-love, self-care so often that we're like, okay, we get it, but people don't love themselves. They still don't. Conceptually, we get it. We're like, oh, I'm supposed to love myself, but how do you feel it? How do you really feel it? And I've just worked really hard at that. I'm like, I need to get to a point where this feeling is my default and this thinking is my default. And I'm not going to get there by repeating the same story to myself over and over. So I had this really crazy experience the other weekend. I was walking on the beach and I received a message from a man that I um, met at some holiday party years ago, I think. I don't even really remember him, to be quite honest. But apparently I had made a significant impact on him. And maybe I'll, I'll read that here if I um, can find it. But let's see where this is. Oh, here it is. Okay. So this is the message that I received. He says, hey, so just wanted to say you're amazing. We met when I was single and I was wildly unprepared for you. I found my way back to my girl, but you really left an impression on me. That entire time I was single, that Dionysian time, you were the only girl I ran into that made me want to be better. You refused to be second choice and you made me question my decisions. Thank you for that because it made me a better person. 
I do a lot of work with this fund, but I think we hit the kids too late. I'm close to starting a family and I'm terrified of having a girl. I want to raise her to have balls and every school I've researched falls short. I want to influence kids earlier and I'd love to talk to you about it. Me too isn't the disease, it's the symptom. I want to raise a girl that is strong, confident, and can say F you. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm going to have a kid in the next year and I want to raise someone like that. So when I received that message, I think that was one of the most meaningful things that I have gotten. And again, I like, hardly remembered this person. I don't actually know where we met or have much re recollection of it, but it was the fact that a human was so impacted just because I was so grounded in my own values. And that must have been the energy that came off in the interaction. And what that message evoked in me as I was walking was like this profound sense of, whoa, like sadness. And I'm like, why am I sad? Why? What? There's, I'm mourning something here and I don't know what I'm mourning. And it occurred to me that I was mourning the way I had treated my best friend. And they always say the goal is to become best friends with yourself. And in that moment, I literally felt my soul and like call it inner child, sacred woman, like separate from me. And I was viewing myself like I saw her, which was like myself as my best friend. And I was like, wow, I have treated her so badly. I have hurt her. I have criticized her. I have put so many people's opinions above her own, especially people who didn't deserve to have that spot. I've really abused her over my entire life. And I just, I just, I started crying because I was like, I've never had this experience of I really am my best friend. That's, there is no one like her. There's no one like me. And that message has triggered it because I was like, how, look how much impact you can make on one person just by being you and really respecting and loving yourself. And as I think about just even the way our society, like patriarchy, toxic masculinity, all these things that like have created so many structures of oppression for so many people across history, like the thing that actually needs to happen is not fighting violently against them. It is if we just taught people to really ground themselves in truly like self-love and respecting themselves, I, I swear these systems would be toppled over in a second. And I notice now when I meet people, I have a very different energy now. There is no aggression or when we think of power is aggression and we're competing. It's just like, this is me. And you're either here for it or you're not, but like, I'm not going to compromise anything. And I think that sort of self-respect and self-love is just people don't see it that often. And it's enchanting in a way because they're like, how does this person have that? And there's, there's no secret. It's just the journey of learning how to love and respect yourself. Wow. That's powerful, Lisa. <sighs> And I hear a lot about the, the impact that you can just have on one person. And that's really powerful and not the mass and the scale and the big audience and everything. It's just who could you help today? And, and it starts with yourself and loving yourself and respecting yourself more and more. I love it. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Thanks, David. 
Thank you for listening to the Enoughness Podcast. I created this show to reveal the real stories behind the people we admire, to address this universal question we all have at one point or another. Am I enough? Just remember, you're not on this journey alone and you do have the power of enoughness. If you want to dive deeper and work directly with me to level up in your career and life to unlock the most powerful version of yourself, head over to lisacarmenwang.com or find me on all social channels at lisacarmenwang. I love meeting and supporting my listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate each and every one of you. Subscribe, share with a friend with hashtag enoughness, and never forget, you are enough.